have. Welcome back to another episode of Isaiah K Podcast. We got a lot to get into. NBA trade NBA trade deadline has passed. Um, I'm excited to talk about some things. I'm gonna talk about the new look Rockets uh, with no guy over six seven or over six six. We're gonna talk about the new look Rockets. How I think they would shape out. Are they really contenders? I'll let you guys know what I think in my opinion. Um, Iguodala to Miami. How formidable did they get? How much better did they get? Um, and I also I, I has also have the Warriors and the D'Lo trade. We're gonna touch on those three points right now on the other side. Catch you guys on the other side. Let's go. <clears throat> Okay, I'm back. So we're back. Welcome back. Welcome back to episode 88. I think it's episode 88. Welcome back to episode 88 of the Isaiah K Podcast. So, um, I know a lot of people, or well, some people, probably, oh, the Rockets beat the Lakers. The new look Rockets, the small ball Rockets beat the Lakers. <clears throat> Honestly, my opinion on that game, I think I didn't think the Lakers really took advantage of the size advantage of the size mix match, and I know a lot of people like, oh, you know, when when there's a size advantage, where there's an obvious size advantage, people teams tend to overcompensate, uh, like trying to get the ball on the block. Well, I think the Lakers did the contrary. I think they did the opposite of that. I think the Lakers they just ran their normal sets, their normal offense, and like never really attempted to like, hey, AD. Like post up six six, PJ Tucker, and score a bucket every time. I don't think I don't think uh, the Lakers did that enough. So some people might hey, where where there's an obvious mismatch advantage, you know, some people might say hey, you, you're as a team you're overcompensating. But the Lakers, in my opinion, watching the game last night, I didn't think they threw the ball in the post nearly enough. Um, and LeBron could have gotten the post as well. Because uh, LeBron was bigger than everybody on the court, <laughs> same as AD. So I don't, I don't, I don't think the Lakers really fully took took advantage of it, and that's the difference between a regular season game, a regular season game coming off a back to back, or um, or, or a second night off a back to back. Like that's the difference in a regular season game and a in a seven game postseason series. That's the difference. In the series, teams will be able to look at that. They'll be able to fix that. They'll be able to make adjustments and changes as they would like to. And that will be fixed. That 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 will that type that that within that game would be that 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 whole area right there would be exploited um in a seven game series. 
Now, the bigger story is, obviously, because we all know the Lakers. I mean, you know, some people think the Lakers are a little bit better than the Clippers. Some people think the Clippers are a little bit better than the Lakers. That's not, that's not headline. That's not like front newspaper. That's not front news story. Everybody and their grandmother know that. But um, I want to talk about the small ball of Rockets. Um, they had no guy out there taller than 6'6". I think it's the shortest NBA starting five in the last 50-ish years, I think. So, um, real small. But I think with the Rockets, uh, let's talk. I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about a little bit about the trade and what and what I why I think they made the trade. Like I said, I think they made the trade um, due to salary cap issues, salary cap issues, and like the Rockets knew that hey, with, with Capella, with, with, they, they didn't think they were as good. They didn't think they could maximize their ability. Or they're 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 selling with with Capella on the roster, so they traded him away and got another wing player, uh, as we all know, and Robert Covington, who who's a, a really good player in the league, not a household name, not a not a big name guy, but Robert Covington is he's a good starter in the league, a guy that can shoot the three, uh, a guy that can shoot the three. And can play defense. Good 3 and D guy, as we call it nowadays. So, I think also the Rockets, they looked at their spacing. And, like, you're probably thinking, hey, what, the Rockets shoot a lot of threes. They get up and down. They score a lot of points. Why is spacing a problem? Well, you have, well, essentially, when you have Capella and, Rus- and Westbrook, two guys that can't shoot, or that are, or in Westbrook's case, a guy that, struggles to shoot the ball and have very very low percentages it's it's really hard to have two guys on the floor that really that have no three-point arsenal that has no three-point that's not a three-point threat um that's 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 what that's what we have going on in philly right now i'm gonna get to that a little bit later though but westbrook look at look at and i I hate to get on westbrook because now he's westbrook he's living up to his name he's living up to his nickname that i gave him once again, I don't hate Westbrook. I don't hate Russell Westbrook. I like him. I like him. He seems like a pretty. He has. A, he seems like he has a pretty good personality. Uh, I like his. I like his uh, attitude on the floor. You know, as far as like trying to kill everything in front of him, trying to be the best he can be. I get it. I like it. I'm. I'm for it all. I just don't think the guy is. Uh, I, I. I just don't think he is a as good as a guard as many. People put him as, and I was, and I was one of the few ones. Even when he was like real dominant and was looked at as one of the best, like one, like he was looked at as the best point guard in the league. I always had a rebuttal. So I don't hate him. I think he's very dynamic. He is. Uh, I would pay top dollar to watch him. He's one of the few players that I play top dollar to watch him. He's exciting to watch. But I don't think he is. I, don't, I think he he has some he has some major flaws in his game um, that has not been fixed. And we've been talking about Westbrook shooting for like I don't know how long. We've been talking about how inefficient Russell Westbrook is as a shooter. And now I give you this: among 236 players that have shot that have attempted point field goals. Russell Westbrook has the lowest three-point shooting percentage. 
with 23.4. Now, we all knew Russ, Russell Westbrook couldn't shoot. And, and, and his career average has always been like mid, like, like low 30s, uh, you know, high 20s. But now he's gotten even worse. He's now low 20s and the worst three-point shooter in the league. And he's a guard. He's a guard. And you look at all of these guys, Brake Griffin's at 24%. Uh, Tavon, it's, it's, these, are, these are bigs that are shooting, that have low shooting percentages. He's a guard. And as a guard in his league, you cannot be this bad of a shooter. But, hey, the Rockets have him. They can't move off him because his contract is a bad contract. And, uh, I mean, you know, you got to go. You, you made the trade for the guy in the summer. You can't just move off him. It's, it, you just can't do that in the middle of the season. You got to go. You got to you got to go with it. So the Rockets said, hey, we're going to clear out space even more, even though we have a lot of space already. We're going to clear out even more space. And Russell Westbrook is going to be able to attack the rim. And that's what we saw last night. Westbrook had a really good game last night. He had 41 points. He played really well. He was ultra ag- aggressive. Um, you saw the lanes were were very cl- like the lanes were open. The driving lanes were open, and that's why he was able to dominate. He took advantage of it. Um, you know, you know, the Rondo couldn't stop him. Caruso couldn't stop him. He took advantage of it. As he was supposed to, and with, when Westbrook is doing that, he's at his strength. When Westbrook is playing like that, he 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 he, he reminds you of why he's one of the best point guards in the league. When he's playing like that, now I think with Westbrook, I think now with Houston, people say, "Oh, how did Houston get any better?" Or did Houston? Um, are they like championship contenders? Are they in the same class or conversation? With the Lakers and Clippers. I think they're in the same class or tier as the Lakers or Clippers. Um, are they the third best team in the West? Um, I don't, I, 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 I don't, I'm not going to say that yet. I'm not going to say that yet because literally they only played, they have only played one game. Um, well, they have played a few games now with this small ball lineup with no center. And they have beat some. They have beaten some subpar teams. The only team they've really beaten was the Lakers last night. And like, and once again, I think the Lakers didn't take full advantage of the size mismatch. But the Rockets, I, I, I gotta see what I gotta see them um, a little bit more before I say the uh, before I say they're better than Denver and Utah. Because as I mentioned earlier this week, I talked about uh, the Western Conference, and I specifically said, I said, hey. I think the, the the Nuggets, you know, outside of the L.A. teams, the Nuggets and the Jazz are the next best teams in the West and then Houston. But now I'm looking at it. Houston, they're going to be now the small ball lineup. It does. It does create some problems because they have five shooters on the floor. Um, just about at all times, and they have good ball handlers. And with Westbrook and Harden, it's hard to guard them one on one. And so once Westbrook and Harden attack the lanes, and they are and they are in full attack mode, that would then force teams to come over and double team, which would leave a wide open shooter. 
So that's where offensively, that's where they become a little bit more dangerous and hard to guard, harder to guard. But I think an easy, simple, not easy, it's simple, because it's easier said than done. But I think a fix, uh, you know, like I said, this is the difference between a regular season matchup and a seven-game series. Because on a seven-game series, teams like Portland, Denver, L.A., uh, both L.A. teams, they would figure out, hey, let Westbrook and Harden get theirs. And it's similar to what the TNT guys said yesterday, uh, last night. Shaq and um, Chuck, they said, hey, let Westbrook and Harden get theirs. But last night, Eric Gordon, every, all of the starters for Houston were in double figures. Or Eric Gordon had 13, 15, 13, 15 points. Uh, Robert Covington had a great, he had a good day, a Rockets debut. He had 15 points. You had guys going, you know, Daniel House, uh, House, he had 13 points. So you let those other guys shoot, but it was those, it, you, I mean, you let Harden and Westbrook get their numbers. You don't let those other guys get involved. So I think, I think that would be the fix for Houston um, and how to combat that. But yeah, they do offensively get a, get a little bit harder to guard because they, uh, you know, essentially have five shooters on the floor. And you got to, you know, if Harden um, or like, for example, last night, if Westbrook is playing ultra aggressive and attacking the rim effectively, you then would have to call for a double team usually. But you would have to, but that's where teams would have to adjust. And you say, hey, let Harden, let Westbrook, let them get theirs. Let them, let them, let them, let them get their, let them get their, their points. Because with Harden and Westbrook, they will have to play well every night. They got to play well every night um, in order for this thing to work. And also, Houston shot the three ball really well. They shot the three ball. I think they shot like around fifty percent. Um, they shot around fifty percent in, in doing last night game from downtown. So they were really hot. They were really, really hot from downtown. But I think you know during the during the stretch of some during the rest rest the rest of the stretch during the season and come during playoff times, there's gonna be games. There's gonna be stretches. Where Houston don't shoot the ball well, and we all know what happens where they don't shoot the ball well. I.e., two, two, three years ago, East Western Conference Finals, twenty-seven missed, like twenty-seven straight missed three, like that's all they can get. And percentage-wise, Houston is a they're, they're ranked twenty-first in three-point percentage. So they're not, uh, they're not a, they, 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 you know, I know their volume is pretty high and they're, they're, they're up there in the temps, but as far as percentages, they're 21st. So they're, they're, they're in the bottom half of the league in percentages. So their percentages are not real high as far as a three point percentage shooting team. They just got, they, they, they got really hot last night. And also I don't think the Lakers attacked, uh, that mismatch as well as I thought they would. Um, despite Anthony, in spite, you know, in spite of Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis having 30 points, um, I don't think LeBron was ultra aggressive and I don't think the Lakers really attacked that, uh, mismatch as I thought they would or should, um, last night against the Rockets, 
but we only only time would tell about what we see from the Rockets. We'll see. Um, I, I I I like it. I mean, they, they're I think they're a little bit better offensively, but defensively, we all know that they're giving up size. And I know analytics say the post up shot is a bad shot. Um, I don't I don't care what analytics say. Some I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm big on analytics. Uh, some people get on me about using too many numbers and analytics. I'm big on analytics, but sometimes it's just simple goddamn basketball. You, you, Anthony Davis is 6'10", 6'11", hyper-athletic, one of the best big men, if not the best big man in basketball, against a 6'5", 6'6", P.J. Tucker. You're not gonna tell me that's a bad shot. I'm 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 sorry. I don't care how many numbers you pull up or how many analytical stats that you have. Um, a six eleven, six ten, Anthony Davis. Uh, you know, one of the best power forwards ever against a six six PJ Tucker. You telling me that's a bad shot? No, I, I I'm gonna take my chances with AD on the block against P.J. Tucker all day, every day. I don't care if it's a bad shot or not a bad shot. I, I, I don't care. You, you can say it's a bad shot. You know, numbers can numbers lie sometimes. Trust me, numbers lie. Uh, we have pointed that out um, various times on this podcast. But Houston, they do get a little bit better offensively. They are a little bit dangerous offensively. I need to see them more um, with this small ball lineup, with this uh, no-center uh, centerless team. I need to see it more. Um, I would like to see them go against like a Utah, a Denver. You know, I would like to see them go go against go up against those teams. But I don't think the Lakers fully took advantage of it. Plus, the Rockets had a hot shooting night, and once in a seven game one in a seven game series, teams will eventually adjust. Teams will adapt. Uh, they will adapt to your, you know, they they know what they they know what every guy move a guy wants to do, um, and that's where coaches have some grace period to uh, strategize and make change changes in the game plan. So I like Houston. Houston's okay, and you know Russell, you know Westbrook had a great game. Um, like him, don't you know? I like him, don't love him. Uh, I, I I criticize him a lot. You know, I'm probably gonna criticize him criticize him some more. Had a great night. Uh, had a good shooting night, but you can see when the lane's empty and he's able to just uh, drive and you let him drive freely, he can he could dominate and he can he can dominate and take over a basketball game. I just don't think that could happen in a seven game series, and I don't think Houston can win a title like this. Simple. I just don't think they can win a title <clears throat> with with this type of game.
Okay, so I'm back. We're going to talk about the what's wrong with the Philadelphia 76ers. Everybody had the 76ers coming into the season as a bona fide championship contender. Some even thought that the Sixers were the best team in the East. If I look at the, if you know, when I go down the Sixers roster, and I was watching the game between Milwaukee and Philadelphia, the first game of the TNT doubleheader, I was like, if you just look at on the floor, if you just look at the players on the floor at times, at certain points of the game, you're like, Philly has Ben Simmons and B, Horford, this guy, that guy, oh yeah, that guy, and... They're six. They're the sixth seed in the East currently, and they're nine and nineteen on the road. Wow, they only lost two games at home. Mm, excuse me, nine and nineteen on the road. Lost two games at home, and usually historically, championship teams are are good road teams. Uh, I think just about in any sport. Um, I think you can, I think about in just about any sport, but in basketball, just for for argument's sake, in basketball in the NBA, typically, a ch- the, 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 the like the championship contending teams are they're they're pretty good road teams. They're at least above five hundred. The the Seventy Sixers are below five hundred. As a road team. And you're like, why? Because talent is not an issue. Talent is not an issue. If you just look at their starting five. And compare it to Milwaukee's starting five. Or just like, just like you know how you guys, you know how we guys do it. Um, you, know how, you know how we do it with the football games. And the, the, you know, between the two teams. Who have the ten best players on the field. Well, do that in basketball for the for Milwaukee and these uh, compared to these other teams. I mean Philadelphia compared to these other teams. Excuse me. Philadelphia between you know if you compare them to Milwaukee, okay, Giannis is the best player on the floor uh, between between uh, Embiid and Ben Simmons. But then who's the second best player? Joel Embiid. Who's the third best player? Ben Simmons. Who's the fourth best player? Maybe Tobias Harris. Who's the fifth best player? Maybe Chris Middleton. And then who's the sixth best player? Then you have Al Horford. Who's the who? Then who who's next? Probably Josh Richardson. So if you just like go keep going down the line, the Sixers. Have the and that's the best team in the league. That like Milwaukee is forty four and seven, and Philadelphia. We just went down the list of the players that's on the floor uh, to start the game, and we just named like Philadelphia's whole starting five within the top seven. <laughs> within the top seven, with. Out of the ten players that's on the floor, the first seven that we name, five of them belong to the 76ers. <laughs> so that means 
76 I don't know why they're so bad, but you know why? I, I get it. I'm I'm answering. I'm going to answer my own question because I think I, I, I we all know the problem. Al Horford came out. Al Horford, a veteran guy, uh, been in this league for a long time. He comes out and says, "Hey, we have locker room problems." Uh, I heard that players came together, a team meeting. Players, you know, stepped up to Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and said, "Hey, you guys are the." You guys are the nucleus. We need to, we need you to put this thing together. JJ Redick, um, he was on. I think he was on Matt Barnes' podcast. He was on Matt Barnes' podcast, Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson podcast. And JJ Redick talked about. I mean, it was like a little settle. It was like a little. It was a little slight diss, just on the DL. And he's like, hey, you know, guys worry about their outfits and what they wear to games and what pictures they post on Instagram more than working on their craft and game. And I think Ben Simmons is a big component of that. Um, with, if you look at Ben Simmons' Instagram page, and yeah, I do. I, 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 do I follow him? I think I follow Ben Simmons. I think I follow Ben Simmons. And if you look at his Instagram page, it's about, I, and, I, I'm, and no question, I'm not questioning. Ben Simmons work at work ethic. I'm not quite. I'm not. I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna go out on a limb and go as far as to say that he doesn't work on his game. But we all know everybody and their grandmother know that 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 Ben Sim. We all know Ben Simmons like flaw in his game, and it's probably his only flaw, and it's his jump shooting ability. Now for about two years now. The 76ers have said, hey, Ben, 76ers have said, hey, ben, he has fixed his jump shot. And he only has made two three-point shots in his career. And it's not about all, it's not about the makes, but he doesn't even attempt the three-point shot. He doesn't even attempt shooting. And when they say, hey, Ben Simmons been ringing on his jump shot all summer. Oh, boy, oh, boy. We could not, we couldn't have, we, we, we could not have waited long enough to see Ben Simmons in that jump shot. And, you know, Twitter goes crazy after he makes his first three. And then, uh, you know, we, we never, we never see the jump shot. You know, I used to have this joke with the Toronto Raptors, and I used to call the Toronto Raptors baby dinosaurs, and I used to say, you know, before they won the title, because uh, I, I called them baby dinosaurs because they were always shrinking the playoffs, uh, you know, most, most of the time, to, you know, to LeBron. But I always used to say, Toronto, they always tell us that they're pregnant, but I never see the baby. Philly's telling us that, you know, Philly continuously, they keep on saying, hey, Ben Simmons, <laughs> hey, he fixed his jump shot. He's, he, he knows how to shoot now. And every year, we, 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 another year has gone by. We're halfway through the damn season. And, we, you know, we, we, we haven't seen the jump shot. You look at a guy like Giannis. Giannis, not a great jump shooter. That's a flaw in his game as well. But and he, his percentages are still not good. But he attempts them, and I, 
could tell he's working on that part of his game. Not saying that, like, once again, not saying that Ben Simmons doesn't work on that part of his game, but clearly he doesn't work on it enough. He doesn't work on it well enough. And I think now, you know, and, you know, I, I, I've heard, you know, other shows talk about, you know, other shows and platforms talk about the possibility, the possibility of trading one of these guys. And, they, you know, the, the often question comes up and says, oh, who are you trading? Well, I think Simmons, his ceiling, Embiid's ceiling is definitely higher because um, the good Lord, the, the, the good Lord just don't give big men seven foot one, seven foot, like the good Lord doesn't give big men that type of ability. He just doesn't. Not, not, not with, you know, not at that size. The good Lord just doesn't give, give, just don't give seven footers that type of skill and talent. But we all know Joel Embiid's, you know, his lone weakness. We all know what he's, his weakness is. Him not being able to stay healthy. And we all have health concerns. We all have health concerns about Joel Embiid. And to those like trade, who would you trade questions? If the, you know, I always say big guys, if they, if when they get hurt young, when young big guys get hurt, especially around, you know, in the knee areas and lower extremities, I always say, well, they don't get any healthier. It only gets worse. Well, Embiid has had, Nothing but lower extremity injuries, and they've been like big time injuries. And I say, I always say, hey, big guys don't get hurt, they don't get any healthier. So that's where I go into I would keep Ben Simmons. Both of them want to be alpha males. Both of them, and, and this is the problem. They have they have chemistry issues, and it's between Simmons, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid. They don't like each other. Both of them want to be A list celebrities instead of superstar basketball players. They want to be both A list celebrities, and I hate to do this to Ben Simmons because I'm a big fan of Ben Simmons. Um, I was really high on him coming out of the draft, out of LSU. And I've been like following Ben Simmons since he's been in high school and his story. But some, uh, you know, there's, there, there's, there, you know, rumors go around. And there's some particular players that played on Team Australia that have played, and, you know, players that have just came in contact with him. And they don't really like his attitude, they don't like his. Like it's he don't have that like he don't he don't they, you know players often say he don't feel like one of the boys you know what I'm saying he don't feel like one of the brothers and that's what it is with Ben Simmons he don't he like personality wise he doesn't you know he don't do the little things he's very you know some players would probably describe him as very self centered he doesn't do the little things that make you like oh be around that guy. He, you know, that guy, he, he, he doesn't have that type of demeanor. 
according to some players. According to some players around the league, around Team Australia, he doesn't do the little things that's like, oh, yeah, he, I mean, yeah, he's a pretty cool guy. <laughs> you know, he's a pretty cool guy. I mean, who don't have their flaws, but he's a pretty cool guy. He According to some players, he doesn't have that. And quite frankly, I can see it. I can kind of see it. I can kind of see through it. I can see where, where some players or some former teammates come from, where they say he just doesn't have that it quality about himself, where he's just all for himself, self-centered more like, you know, trying to be a celebrity instead of a star basketball player. And, you know, that's where the NBA kind of screws up at because they, you know, I don't think the I don't think MLB markets their ball players enough, and I don't think the NBA I think the NBA at times become too player oriented. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, with Ben, that's the problem there. But anytime Ben and 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 you know, like I said, both guys want to. Both guys are alpha dogs. Both guys want to thrive. And then, all-wise, on the floor, schematically, and game-planning-wise, with Simmons not being able to shoot, in order for teams to respect him, Philly has to put him on the block. And we all know Embiid is a post player. And in today's NBA... You can't have two post players. You can't have you can't have two guys on the block. It, you know you're just not gonna win like that in the NBA and now nowadays. You gotta have you know that that second guy gotta have some shooting ability. So in order for teams to respect Ben Simmons offensively, they gotta put Ben Simmons on the block, which forces Embiid to come out to the twenty foot to twenty two feet and and back. Three-point range. He has to go back. He has to sit out there, and basically, Embiid turns into a shooting guard. Instead of him, turn, instead of him being a center, he turns into a shooting guard, and that's where you minimize. You obviously minimize Embiid's uh, full ceiling and potential, and uh, and his offensive repertoire. You you mess that up. Uh, you, 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 you minimize that because you have him out on the perimeter. So, I, you know, I, I wouldn't just blow, you know, they, it's too late now, but I wouldn't blow it up this, uh, you know, this season. I let them finish out this season, but if Philly loses in the second round, which is very much possible or hell, if they lose in the first round, because right now they the six seed and they gotta play the whoever the three seed is, which I think is Boston. If Philly, if Philly, I mean, you gotta figure out a, you gotta figure out what to do when you deal with this. And I like Ben Simmons. I like Embiid. Um, I was real big at Embiid at Kansas, and Ben Simmons. I you know, I told you guys about Ben Simmons. And how, you know how much affection I have for him, but it's not working. You know this this Philadelphia thing is not working. Um, I ho- and hopefully Elton Brand, uh, so, you know, 76 GM, he makes the right move um, or, you know, he makes a move because if they don't get to the finals this year, 
I don't know how I don't I don't I don't know what else you can put around this team. I don't know how I don't know how much many how, how many more pieces you can place around Embiid and Simmons. I just don't know. I just don't know, and I don't think the I don't think the the Seventy Sixers should try to should try to find out if they don't get to the finals this year. If they get beat down the first round, the second round, you gotta make some moves. Um, maybe move Embiid because with Simmons, you can guarantee Simmons is an All Star level player. Uh, with Simmons, you can you can build around him uh, much easier. You can get a get some shooters, get some three and D guys around him. He's uh he's very he's really productive. When Simmons is when when Embiid is down the floor, you have just twenty eight and eight. When when Embiid was out with the hand injury, Simmons averaged twenty eight and eight, and he's telling you, he's showing you who he is. So I think I think I, I think they got to make that move. Um, I, I think uh, you know Philly got to make that move if if if, if 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 you know if they have an early. Exit in the first round, and that's why I say the Cow the, the the 76ers are the NBA version of the Cowboys. You know, everybody loved the Cowboys and its roster and all the pieces and all the skill positions that they have. But same thing with Philly. They can't figure the thing out. They can't figure the damn thing out. Um, and that's Philly problem. I see you guys on the other side. We're gonna talk more trades, more you know, you're gonna, you're gonna, we're gonna discuss all that good stuff. Okay, so we have a couple more trades to talk about. Um, these are some big trades. Uh, let's start. Let's just start off with uh, Miami and the Iguodala um, and move. I'm glad for Iguodala. Iggy uh, was traded to Memphis. He didn't want to. He obviously didn't want to play for Memphis. Sat out for the first half of the year um, until Memphis could get a trade done. Or if a trade was not done, he would be bought out, and then that's where he can sign to uh, anywhere, basically. And you know, the front runners for that was the Lakers and Clippers. Memphis finally, finally gets a trade done. Uh, the, I, I kind of figured the Lakers wasn't going to trade for Iguodala. I mean, I mean, who would they, who were they going to give up for Iguodala? And I'm kind of glad that they didn't trade nobody for Iguodala. Miami trades for Iguodala. I like the move for um, Miami. Uh, Miami, I think they, they, they get better defensively. They add some versatility to their defense. Uh, also, not just Iggy, but they get Jay Crowder, a guy that's a tough guy, has that tough guy mentality. Uh, I think both guys fit the Miami culture, the heat culture. Um, 
and 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 also they get better. Like I said, they get better defensively. And, and Jay Crowder's a guy he can hit a three point shot. Jay Crowder, he's a guy that can hit a three point shot. He brings that tough mental edge uh, that can be used in the postseason. But let's not get too overreactive with this move with Miami. It's obviously a good move. Uh, the price for the dollar, two year, thirty million dollars. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't know if I want to be playing Andre Iguodala. Well, I, I, I wouldn't pay Andre Iguodala for fifteen million dollars for the next two years. That's kind of, that's a, that's a shaky deal. Uh, to say the less, that's a shaky deal. Now, I like Iggy and what he brings to Miami. I'm not like, like I said, I'm not gonna go on a limb to say, to go out and say, oh yeah, Iggy. Um, I, like they're, they're they're better than Milwaukee. I'm not gonna say that. Now, with this recent move, uh, I, I already like Miami, and I thought Miami was overachieving already. I thought they were. I thought they were overachieving already. With this move, I think Miami is a little better than Toronto. And I know I know everybody, you know, they love the story of Toronto and what Toronto has been able to do this year. I love it too. But let's just be honest. Toronto, great story last year, but they needed they needed some luck on their side for things to go their way. I think Miami becomes better than Toronto with this move. Uh, I like Boston. I like what Brad Steven does. Big fan of Jason Tatum. Uh, love Kimba. Uh, love Jalen Brown and that crew. Miami probably went a little bit past them with this move as well. So, Miami's probably about the second or third best team in the Eastern Conference. They become very interesting. Now, I don't know if Miami can beat Giannis and Milwaukee in a seven-game series. I'm not gonna go out on a limb to say that. I don't. I don't, I don't think so. But we have to see because uh, Miami does have a. You know, they they have a good coach in Eric Spoelstra. Jimmy Butler is hungry. They got a lot of veteran. They got some veteran guys with some with some veteran experience and some playoff experience. So that could play a part in it, but. I don't think they're better than Milwaukee, and I don't think they're going to beat Milwaukee in a seven-game series. But, damn, did Miami get interesting. And it just shows you how, you know, it shows you how good LeBron is. But it's, it, it also shows you how much of a headache he can be. Because, like, you look at anywhere LeBron has went, LeBron, you know, of course, he turns you into a championship contender. And you automatically go into that championship, that win now mode, and usually it takes some some veteran players to win now, and that forces you to have to get rid of, if not all, but most of your young players and your young core because LeBron wants to win now. Miami got had a bunch of old guys with LeBron. Yes, Miami did get the four straight finals. And win, and they did win back-to-back titles. But it's been like what? It's been six years since my since LeBron has departed from the Heat, and finally we can say the Heat looks somewhat interesting. Their roster looks interesting, and it just shows you what LeBron can do. It takes it usually takes a while for teams 
to to to, to get back. And it, it's happened to Cleveland twice, and Cleveland hasn't recovered. It, it's happened to Cleveland twice in ten years, and they haven't recovered. <laughs> Cleveland, Cleveland has not recovered. So it takes a while, and that's just the that's just the downside of LeBron. Um, you know, but you know it comes with its flaws. But Miami, they're finally interesting. But with a, with an older Iguodala, who with even with Golden State and his run with Golden State, his points per game had went down. His minutes had went down, and he he even acknowledged it acknowledged it and said it. Hey, I'm at the end of my career. I'm in the back end of my career. So I don't know how much. Miami is looking to get from Iguodala. If they're looking for, if if they want, if Miami is looking for Iguodala to consistently play thirty plus minutes or thirty minutes, I don't think it works. But if they need him for a twenty minute ish span, I think he'll fit right in. I still wouldn't want to pay Iguodala fifteen million dollars. Uh, per for two years, for the next two years, that's kind of too much to ask for. But I get the move. I like the move. Iggy wanted out of Memphis. Uh, Miami wanted to move off of Justice Winslow, who is still young, but dealt with some injuries. Never really fit with this Miami Heat team, and it just shows you how how overachieving Miami is. Because they have two guys in their starting lineup who's undrafted. So, a lot of overachieving happened in Miami right, there, right now, this year. But, I do like, I, I, like what the, I like what they're doing. The Iguodala move, it's don't, 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 don't misjudge it. Don't overreact on the Iguodala move. Uh, I think Miami, they're a good team. I don't, I don't, I don't know how serious I can take them as far as being championship contenders. But they are certainly a good team, uh, and they made the East. They they're making the East much more interesting, much more interesting. And I think actually they have surpassed some teams, some teams. But Milwaukee, I feel, are better than them. And then, like I said, Philadelphia on paper, the Sixers on paper are are are, are better than Miami on paper. Right now, not so much. But on paper, they're a little bit better. Um, now the Clippers made a well. Before I go, well, let's go on to the West Coast because we got D'Angelo Russell and the Andrew Wiggins trade. Uh, the Clippers made a move, and the Lakers did not make a move. But the Lakers in the next coming days are scheduled and are expected. To, to make to you know to make some moves in the buyout market now now once now since the trade deadline has expired and passed now certain teams are going to start to unlock and buy out certain players that they probably tried to tried to trade trade but teams they weren't they didn't um you know they, they didn't like the deals so now teams are able to buy out certain players. And that is certainly what's going to happen in the next coming days and next coming hours. And be on a lookout for the Lakers and the Clippers to be active in this search. 
uh, especially the Lakers. You know, you know, we also we all saw and heard. If you didn't see it, you heard about Darren Collison um, and the mutual interest in the Lakers. Uh, he went to the Laker game, you know, last night. They like it. They like him. They want him. And quite frankly, the Lakers can use him. I've said it. I think I've said it. I think I said a couple weeks ago. Obviously, Rajon Rondo is not the same Rajon Rondo. Uh, he doesn't look good. Rondo doesn't look good at all. Darren Collison is younger. Darren Collison is only 30, what, 32 years? At, he's 32 years old. Darren Collison is still relatively young. He's a good ball handler. He was real. I mean, bef- before he retired, he was really productive in Indiana. So, Darren Collison, a move like that for the Lakers would help because the Lakers significantly need help. Uh, they need another ball handler. Uh, they need another ball handler. They need another playmaker because, as we can all see, when LeBron goes to the bench, the lack of ball handling and playmaking. It, 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 we all see it. There, there's a lack at that. There's a hole that needs to be filled at that position, and um, the Lakers could they can they can fill that hole with Darren Collison. They can fill that hole, and I think they are they they expect to sign Darren Collison. Now, I have heard that Darren Collison in that move. Um, is a little bit skeptical because Darren Collison, he retired unexpectedly. So, in his camp, there is question whether or not he will come out of retirement. But the Lakers are clearly front runners uh, to get Darren Collison. And like I said, that will greatly benefit a uh, need, a position for them. So, now on to the Clippers. The Clippers made a move for Marcus Morris. I'm glad that the Lakers did not make a move for Marcus Morris because I think the Knicks... I don't know who in the hell the Knicks thought they were asking for Danny Green and Kyle Kuzma and a pick for Marcus Morris. Like Marcus Marcus Morris, he's a tough guy. He can he's a he's a stretch for. He's having he's shooting a career high from downtown this year. But I'm I wouldn't if I'm the Lakers. I, I'm right on. Would I would not have given up my young player, my two key pieces of my rotation, and a pick for Marcus Morris. Get out of here. The Clippers did make the move, though. I like the move for the Clippers. I think the Clippers were already deep. I think I can admit the Clippers are deeper than the Lakers. I think the Clippers have a better structure than the Lakers. Um, so it, it did. They did get deeper. And that is another guy that can shoot the three ball. But once again, similar to the Lakers, I still have my question with the Clippers because I don't. I don't see no rim protector. I don't see no real rim protector, and I don't see a guy that can take on the task of guarding Anthony Davis. You you can throw Kawhi out there, but Kawhi, who guards LeBron? Um, Kawhi, he's giving up a lot of height. You're giving up size. Montrezl Harrell will give up a lot of size guarding Anthony Davis. So, still have yet to find a big um, or rim protector, some sort of rim protector um, that the that that the Clippers could use um, defensively. Because on, out on the perimeter, the Clippers are phenomenal. They got Patrick Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi. They're phenomenal defensively on the perimeter. But interior-wise, 
when you got when you face guys like Jokic, Rudy Gobert, uh, and mainly Anthony Davis, you, you you're gonna run into some issues if you don't have a rim protector or guys that can guard those guys. So that's the lone problem with the Clippers. Uh, yeah, Kawhi not playing every other night. That's another issue, but we're not gonna talk about that. <laughs> but um. The Clippers made the move. Yeah, they got a little better. Um, they got a little deeper. So I like the move for the Clippers. I like I like the move for the I really like the move for the Clippers. Good smart front smart front office. I, I'm not mad at it. Smart front office. Um, and then the uh, the, uh, the the other blockbuster trade um, that was made was between the Warriors and Minnesota. The Warriors got Andrew, Andrew Wiggins. Minnesota got D'Angelo Russell and some of the Warriors' young pieces like Jacob uh, Evans and some other guys, some other pieces. So let's first talk about the Warriors. I like this move for the Warriors. Um, and Of course, Andrew Wiggins, he's a guy that averages 22 points per night, but he hasn't made an all-star team yet. You know, everybody has just been waiting for the breakthrough for Andrew Wiggins, it has yet to come. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. Uh, and I'm, and I'm kind of glad that the Minnesota, the, that, that the Minnesota front office realized that, you know, you can't keep selling the fans, Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. Like, clearly, it's not working. You know, Minnesota wanted Andrew Wiggins to be a superstar. He's clearly not capable of that, or he is yet to take his game to the next level. Now, Andrew Wiggins with the Warriors, his role obviously changes because the Warriors have a strong backcourt um, next year coming back. Draymond Green, and then you have Andrew Wiggins and whoever the center is. I think Andrew Wiggins would. I think he fit. I think he fits right in with the Warriors. Uh, they they're not asking him to do too much. Uh, now defensively, I you know coming out of Kansas, I thought Andrew Wiggins had the size, the measurables, and the athleticism to be a really good defender, like a really elite defender um, at this level. But he's not much a defender. Um, he's not he's not a great three point shooter. But he's a guy that can average 22, 20 points a night. Um, he, can, he can score 25 a night if you need him to. And he's athletic. He's athletic. He's bringing some youth and some athleticism. And he's, he's kind of playing. He's going to play that. I think they're gonna play, he's going to play that Harrison Barnes role. Now, I think Wiggins is a little bit better than Harrison Barnes. But he's going to, you know, similar to what Harrison Barnes did for the Warriors when he, you know, played for the Warriors. I think you're going to see a, some some similarities with Andrew Wiggins' role uh, with the Warriors next year with Steph and Clay uh, officially returning. I think you would start, then start to see that, uh, that transition for Andrew Wiggins. But I like this move for both teams. Um, both teams got what they wanted. Uh, with D'Angelo Russell, I kind of when 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 the Warriors signed him this summer, you can go back and listen to the pod. Uh, you know where I talked about D'Angelo Russell and the Warriors signing. But when you can go back and listen to it, when they signed him, 
I didn't think it was a good match because first D'Angelo Russell, first defensively, I knew the I knew the Warriors were gonna struggle defensively this year because Curry is defensive liability and D'Angelo Russell plays no defense at all. Also, D'Lo, he D'Angelo Russell is one of those point guards who needs a lot of ball screens. He's a you know he's very ball centric. He's you know he's very ball dominant and needs a lot of ball screens. The Warriors, I don't know, but if you haven't watched the Warriors in the last mm, about four or five years, they don't run they don't run a lot of ball screens. Um, and if they do, it's for Steph Curry, and that's very rare. Where they give ball, where they give Steph Curry ball screens, so that that I, I never quite thought that it, that Iggy fit. I mean that Iggy that uh that D'Angelo Russell fit with the Warriors and their culture and their system, and similar to Brooklyn, I heard rumblings in Brooklyn that hey D'Angelo Russell, you know Brooklyn likes their culture, and D'Angelo Russell. He's not a guy that that's gonna like fit right into the culture. He he has his own thing, so he's not gonna fit like just fit right in into the culture um, that a Warriors have or that a Brooklyn Nets um, are, that's continuous. You know that's continuing to build their culture. Uh, not real, not a real big culture guy. That's why they didn't. They weren't quick, and that's that's why they weren't really mad. To, that they didn't offer him a hundred million dollars, you know what I'm saying? So, not really a coach a guy. Uh, two weird personalities in Minnesota with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, but you get a good, you get a, you get a, you get a good point guard in D'Angelo Russell, a guy that can average twenty and ten, um, or twenty and eight, twenty two and eight, and then you get you get a really you get a really skilled. Uh, an elite big and Carl Anthony Towns is something new and fresh for the Minnesota fran- fans to look up to. Um, I, so those are the trade deadline moves, the big trade deadline moves um, that are significant with playoff teams and how I think, um, what I think about these moves, gave you guys all of that. I'll be back. We're going to talk about the Mookie Betts and uh, Dodgers and Boston Red Sox situation and why I don't blame the Red Sox for not giving Mookie Betts $400 million.
Okay, I'm back. Lastly, also, we got, um, it's a lot to watch, um, these next coming weeks. You got the XFL, college basketball, NBA. It is a lot to watch. Um, uh, state, you know, look into the XFL, another football league. Uh, if you don't know the, the backstory of it, the XFL, they tried the XFL, like, in the late 90s, going into the early 2000s. Didn't work. Uh, they're bringing it back now. I think there's about eight cities, nine cities. Uh, I know that the DC Defenders, they make their debut uh, this upcoming Saturday at 2. Uh, other, it's, it's, some, it's some more football, uh, spring ball. Uh, these, are, these are players that probably have played in NFL. These are players that you probably have seen in college uh that that's obviously not on NFL rosters and now they're 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 on XFL rosters I hope that does well that um that it's such a such an innovative thing with the NFL has you know the NFL is gone now we have no football to watch and you know everybody loves football in America so it's something definitely to look out for and to watch um it's a lot though it's a lot to tune into these next I mean just tomorrow I mean the lineups that we have set for Saturday is uh, amazing. Uh, basketball, NBA basketball, college basketball, XFL. It is a lot. Um, but without further ado, let's go. I'm a, I don't want to hold you guys any much longer now. So, uh, of course, I keep I stay tuned. I'm gonna I'm give you guys. I, I try to give you guys some baseball content. As you know, when when big news, when big things happen. Uh, so. Former AL MVP uh, Mookie Betts of the Boston of the Boston Red Sox, the used you used to be of the Boston Red Sox, uh, was recently traded uh, in a block in a blockbuster trade. And Mookie Betts, really good player, AL MVP. He's won a World Series three times, silver uh, three times silver slugger. He has a batting title. He rookie of the year. He's won major league rookie of the year. I mean, real outstanding player. He was looking. He was looking for a ten-year, four hundred million dollar contract. And I know you Boston Red Sox fans, you baseball fans, are like, well, that's all the Red Sox do is spend big time money on big time talents. Why wouldn't they do this for this one? Uh. First, it's kind of you know I I I kind of find it funny where everybody says hey four hundred million dollars like we say it so like the media especially the media like we say it just so subtly we say it so like hey it's a breeze four hundred million dollars blow it just give it to them like no it's four hundred million dollars not coming out of your pocket <laughs> not not coming out of your pocket. But it's four hundred million dollars, ten years. First of all, you you guys already know. I, well, if you don't know, I'm not a big fan, you know. And I understand that the baseball contracts are guaranteed. I get it, understand it. I actually love it, but I'm not a big fan of the big ten year, thirteen year, fifty. Like I'm not a big fan of those long term, long length length contracts. Because even in my uh, young age, I have seen some of those long 10-year, 11-year contracts, you know, the, the, the third, fourth year into that contract, teams are over it. And they're like, God 
people are stuck for like the next. And that's it. I, I've seen it. I, 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 I've seen it. I've seen it multiple. I've seen it. I've seen it multiple times now where teams like I, I, I always go back to the Joey Votto um, uh, situation with the Cincinnati Reds. Joey Votto, big time slugger, big time hitter, big time baseball player. Uh, what first baseman, third base, first? I think he played. I think he played first and third baseman. Big time player, but and he he hits. You know, hits some. He, he has good numbers, but Cincinnati paid him all that money for years and for years to come. Have been stuck. They have been stuck financially. You can go and look at the Bryce Harper contract that the Phillies just recently signed last year. Uh, I, what, what what was it? The Bryce Harper contract. I'm about to get it. I'm about to get it up for you guys on my big screen. Sorry. The Bryce Harper contract worth a lot of money, and I get it. Bryce Harper, he's box office, but this is just entirely too much money. And you you sign these ten and thirteen, and this is why baseball is kind of outrageous because you sign these big time deals, these. Fat deals, and you're like, yeah, we're, we're, we're stuck for the next few years. Yeah, look at this. Uh, uh, this is a, this is, he's he's locked with the Phillies for the next eleven years, twenty seven million dollars. The Phillies didn't make the playoffs this year. I don't know what they look like this. I mean, last year they didn't make the playoffs last year. I don't know what they look like this year, but. The NL the the NL East didn't get any easier, so we're looking at a team that could possibly not make the postseason. And I look at guys like Mike Trout. Mike Trout, Mike Trout might be the best baseball player I've ever seen, but I bet you half of the probably most of the listeners that I'm talking to right now don't know in the hell who Mike Trout is. <laughs> Mike Mike Trout might be the best baseball best Mike Trout might be the best baseball player in my generation. But I bet you some of you guys or even most of you guys are like who in the hell is Mike Trout? Go look him up. But he's a good he's a great baseball player. But he makes a, a chunk of money. He's with the Angels. The Angels really you, you, come on. Bad, you know they they play second fiddle to the to the Dodgers. They 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 play second fiddle to the Dodgers. You know how like the Clippers have that stigma of being like the Lakers or the brother. Well, that's the Angels to the Dodgers. They're the Clippers. The Angels are the Clippers. Used to be the Clippers. Now all of a sudden the Clippers have a storied franchise. But back to um, Mike Trout hasn't won a playoff series. He's gone to the postseason one time. He's been he's years removed from the postseason. And financially, the Angels, I mean, they're not stuck because there's no salary cap, but who's gonna come to, who's gonna come to Los Angeles and play with Mike Trout? I don't know. And the, the, another reason why, you know, besides the big t- the big those, those long term baseball deals, uh besides that. Besides that, 
It's baseball. It's America's pastime, yes? But once again, key word, America, key word, key phrase, pastime. It's America's pastime. The only guy that I'm probably paying $400 million to for 10 years, for the next 10 years, if it's any sport, it's probably Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, that's the only guy in sports that, you know, at least at, at least in American sports. In American sports, that's the only guy I'm giving $400 million, 10 years, $400 million to. Not giving it to a baseball player. You, 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 I mean, you have to create a, a, like an all-time type of buzz for me to give it to a baseball player. Like, you would have to have some type of marketing skill or marketing tool about yourself. Like, you would have to be the, the greatest baseball player ever. And you would be, have to be, you would have to be marketed that way for me to even think about giving you $400 million. But I just meet, but that's the reason why I, I, I'm not mad at the Dodgers. I mean, the Red Sox for trading Mookie Bats. A lot of people are like, oh, what the hell are the, what the, what the, hell are the Red Sox doing? They're making the rich richer. I look at look at the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves have the fourth highest chance to, to go to, to, to win to go to the World Series. They have four players on their, on their team that you don't know. That are that are underpaid that you don't know. So you tell me. I, I you know these long these big time contracts, these long contracts. You see what happens. Manny Machado signed a a mega deal. Manny Machado did not make it to the playoffs this year with the San Diego with the San Diego Padres. Same goes for Bryce Harper in Philadelphia. Bryce Harper mega deal, but didn't go nowhere with the Phillies this year. Didn't win a playoff game this year with the Phillies. Didn't go to the playoffs with the Phillies. So I'm not really I'm not mad. You know, I know I know the I know the baseball analysts and experts are going crazy because they're like, why just why won't Boston just give Mookie Betts the four hundred million dollar deal? I wouldn't. I'm I'm just not. Um that's my take on it. But thank you guys for listening once again. Uh thank you guys for listening to another episode of Isaac Podcast. Thank you for clicking this platform, clicking my platform. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep clicking. Always remember, two choices, one decision. Two choices, one decision. I'm out. Catch y'all later. Um, enjoy these tunes.